try this one more time. Welcome to Sunday morning at the Rock Church. Anybody excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? High five eight people on the way to your seat for the second time. Tell them I got it. Woo. Now tell somebody else I got a question for you. Does it have you? Come on, does it have you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you grateful that God brought you into his house this morning? Amen. You can be seated for just a few moments. I want to take a brief opportunity to say what a privilege and an honor it is this morning to have every one of our guests that are here with us. Rock Church, I need to borrow your hands and your voice and help me make some crazy noise for all of our guests that are here. Come on, we can do better than that. Help me welcome all of our guests into the house of the Lord. Amen. We are so delighted that you joined us today. If you are here for the very first time at the Rock Church, you should have received a VIP invitation card that looks like the one on the screen behind me. And if you're here for the first time and you did not receive one of those, if you would slip your hand in the air, one of our staff members will bring one right to you. But this is an invitation to join us in our VIP room immediately after the service. How many of you understand that VIP stands for very important person? And our first-time guests are very important people in this place today. Amen? And we want you to know that we are so honored to have you here. We've got some light refreshments and we've got a small gift that we'd love to give to you at, uh, at the end of the service. Just a token of our appreciation for having you with us this morning. And so if you would just join us immediately after the service. I want to give a great big welcome to all those that are streaming online with us this morning. Come on church, help me put your hands together. We're glad that you tuned in. Amen. To see what the Lord is doing in this house the power of God is so thick in this place. Amen. And uh, we're thankful to be in his presence. How many of you grateful for everything the Lord is doing in this house? Amen. This past week, Elmi was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. We ought to give God a shout of praise over that this morning. Also this past week, Arthur was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. Anybody excited about that? And then this week, Samantha was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the... We ought to rejoice with the angels in this place today. Countless Bible studies happening this week. Several more people received the Holy Ghost uh, this week. And God has been so, so very good. And uh, we don't have time this morning, but there are so many testimonies represented in this house of all of the incredible things that the Lord is doing in this place. Amen. And uh, we are so grateful to have uh, Sister Collins and Sister Sierra with us again this morning. They're just at home at the Rock Church. Amen, somebody. Would you help me put your hands together? Thank God for them today. Amen. We love, love, love the Collins family. And uh, we're so honored that they're here. I want to say what a privilege and an honor it is to have Pastor Evan Grizzle and his lovely wife with us this morning all the way from Wilmington, North Carolina. Would you help me give them a great big Rock Church welcome this morning? Come on. Come on. I want you to show them some proper Rock Church love in this place this morning. Amen. We can all stand as we prepare for the entrance of the word of the Lord into this house. It is our custom to stand uh, in honor of God's word entering the house. And uh, Pastor and Sister Grizzle are good friends of ours, and uh, I had the, the privilege of meeting him. It's been several, several years ago. I don't remember exactly how long ago it was, uh, but the Lord allowed our paths to cross, and uh, we have so many common interests that we hit it off immediately years ago, and we have been conspiring about this weekend right here for years. Yeah, it's, you tell your neighbor, it's years in the making. And uh, But the Lord always has the right timing for everything. And, uh, and just recently, I was with uh, this precious family, and uh, the Lord brought it back to our hearts, and we said, we got to make this happen. And so we are just so thankful and privileged that they're with us. How many of you enjoyed that anointed singing a little bit ago? My God. 
My God. He is not only an incredible singer, but he is an anointed man of God. And uh, just not too long ago, the mantle uh, of anointing was passed from his pastor, his bishop, to him. And uh, they, not too long ago, became the lead pastors of the church there in Wilmington, North Carolina. And under their leadership, God is absolutely transforming that church and that city. Amen. How many of you thank God for powerful, anointed leaders that God is raising up? And brother and sister Grizzle, I want you to know what an honor it is to have you here today. We want you to come and follow the Holy Ghost. If you want to keep on shouting, we will shout until we throw all of our ties at you, polish your shoes, and you will lose 20 pounds by the end of service dancing with us. And if God gave you a word that needs us to lay on our face before God, we're ready to respond to whatever the Holy Ghost has. Amen, church. One more time, would you put your hands together and give God a great big praise. As Pastor Grizzle comes to minister, we want both of them to follow the Holy Ghost, whatever they feel. Praise the Lord, everybody. Aren't you glad to be in God's house this morning? Aren't you glad to be in God's house this morning? What an honor and a privilege it is to be here with each and every one of you. Uh, let's get in our Bibles and go to the book of 2 Samuel, chapter number 6. It is an honor to be here. I do give honor to all of you that are here, the saints of God. You could be anywhere. I, uh, the beautiful hotel they have us in, it's right on the bay. And we were right on the river and we came out and I was looking this morning and people were fishing and having fun. And, and I thought, that looks nice. But it's not as good as being in the house of the Lord on a Sunday morning. Because they go there saying, I'm going to go find, I, it's so peaceful on the water. Well, there's nothing quite as peaceful as the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I do give honor. How many love your bishop and first lady? It is, uh, it is a, it's been a work in progress trying to get me here and him up there, and he's coming soon. But uh, seven or eight years ago, we met, and now here we are. And what an honor it is to be here. Praise God. I do give honor to them. He, you know, people have fathers in the gospel. And what I figured out this weekend, he is my uncle in the gospel. Because we have so much in common, it's ridiculous. And so, uh, and so I'm thankful for them and for their leadership. I'm thankful. The thing about this church is that a lot of times we only see what the church is doing locally. And sometimes we forget about the global impact that a church and a ministry has. Your church and your ministry has a global impact. Amen. It is due to the Lord, but it's also due to a great man and woman of God that have a great vision. So I'm thankful for them. Give honor to them, to Judah, to Isaac, the family, brother and sister Sloss. They're incredible. They took such good care of us. Um, where's my man? Is my man Trevor in here? Is he doing something? Where's my man at? My man Trevor, isn't he a monster? Good Lord. A dream came true today. I got to sing with Trevor Sloss. Praise God. Amen. And I give honor to all of you. Uh, the hotel, the gift basket, everything's been incredible, the hospitality. I will tell you what I feel in the Holy Ghost. We were shouting and we were praising and I was having a really, really good time. But from the moment that I entered here, the Holy Ghost started moving on me to the point I started feeling weak in my legs when I was over there praying. And I'll tell you what I think is that sometimes we'll come into moments like these and we say, my God, I had such a good power and uh, the, 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 such a, I felt such a good presence of God and I, could, I had a good move of God today and we can leave feeling satisfied. But there are times like this morning when we enter into the house of God and we praise and worship God and God allows us to be maneuvered and positioned in such a way 
Now we praise and we worship, but here's what I tell you what I believe God wants to do. Getting the Holy Ghost is a great first step and entrance into the kingdom of God. But it is the beginning of the process of becoming completed. And I believe God wants to make some people whole today. He wants to make you whole today. So this is what we'll go to, 2 Samuel 6, 12 through 16, and I, I will be mindful of the time. The Bible says this. And it was told King David, saying, The Lord hath blessed the house of Obed-Edom, and all that pertaineth unto him, because the ark of God. So David went up, and David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. And it was so when they that bare the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed oxen and fatlings and danced before the Lord with all his might. I saw some people doing that this morning. David was girded with a linen ephod, and so David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. And as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, looking, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. And she despised him in her heart. Imagine the symbol of the presence of God, the glory of God is brought back into its rightful place. And I'm so hurt that when I see it taking place, I don't worship, I'm not dancing, but I despise it. So here's what I want to preach to us for just a few minutes. The shattered window of a wounded soul. Shattered window of a wounded soul. We are a praying church, the apostolic church, and I will tell you I love what I feel here, but I, this is what I would ask that we do. I would ask that we lift up our hands and we lift up our voices together praying. Pray for me as I deal with my nerves, but pray for the remainder of this service. Can we pray together, Lord? God, we need you in this place, Lord. Lord, you see who is here. They're not here by accident. I pray over every person right now, the power of the Holy Ghost will come in. Help us to lower our guard so that the Holy Ghost can move on us. God, I pray against any spirit that would try to hinder and that would try to bind. And I come against it in the name of Jesus Christ. And I proclaim that your spirit will be here. And where it is, there is freedom and there is liberty. Mighty God, let your will be done. And everybody said in Jesus' name, God bless you as you're seated. There was a story that I had read several years ago that I was un, what's the word? Unaware would have such an impact on my life. It was a story of a young girl named Danny. And as I read back over this story for my sermon this morning, I realized that all of this took place just a couple hours north of here in Tampa. The story began and it said a little girl, pale with dark eyes, lifted a dirty blanket above the broken glass and peered out. This would be the first time that they would see this young girl. People, neighbors would see the overgrown yard. They would see the house that was, that was running down and dilapidated. They would see the broken windows. They would know that there was two almost adult boys that lived there and a mother and a father. But all of the years of those people living there, they had no idea that there was a young girl living in this house. Until that day, where she lifted up the dirty blanket, 
pale from no sun touching her skin, her eyes sunken back into her head from being malnourished. And she peered out through the broken glass as the broken glass obscured her view. The, one, the person who saw this happen said it's like she stared into the sun seeing this globe for the first time. Months would go by, they would never see her again, so they would call the authorities and all of a sudden the town and the different authorities would get involved and a a social worker would come out to see what was going on. They would call the police and when these detectives arrived, hardened detectives that had seen murder, that had seen all of the things that this terrible life, this terrible world has to offer, they pulled in and saw this house run down. They saw a woman sitting in her car, leaning out the door with her head between her legs, sobbing. And as the police officers walked up, they said, what's wrong? She said, I've never seen anything this bad in my life. The officers walked inside, they opened the door, and as they stepped inside, they heard the sound of cockroaches crunching beneath their feet, human fecal matter smeared all over the walls, and there was mattresses covering broken windows and bent curtain rods put out of place, and the mother was sitting on the chair sobbing and crying, and they looked at her and said, where is the girl? They walked down the hallway into what seemed like nothing more than a closet. They opened the door. Everything was dark and dim and they heard something scurry across the floor and look on the bed, the mattress there. There was a young girl laying in a fetal position. Her eyes looked up at the detective. The detective noted that it's as if she looked through me rather than at me. They picked up this five-year-old girl in a diaper that was completely soaked with, with urine and everything else. And when he picked her up, she said she yelped like a lamb. They asked her name. She did not reply. He took off his coat and put it around her and carried her outside. And The mother started screaming, don't take my baby. And he said, what have you done? She said, I did the best I could do. Detective looked at her and said, well, the best was not enough. Choking back his rage, he walks outside and they get her to the hospital and begin to examine all of the pain, all of the hurt, all of the anguish Danny had been through. When we think about stories like that, we look back over our life and and some of us here today will say they've experienced things that are nearly that bad. However, there will be many more that will look back over their life and think that their problems pale in comparison to this young girl. But I want to tell you today that, that wounds, whenever they are, 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 are done to us, whenever we are hurt, whenever we are wounded by someone, something that we love, that we trusted, it's, that, it, it's like that the size of the wound doesn't matter because it all cuts so deep. We look back over our lives and we say, man, I have been hurt. Things have happened to me. Problems have arisen. I, I've, I've, I've placed trust in a leader and that leader did me wrong. I've placed trust in a father and the father did me wrong. I've placed trust in a mother and the mother did me wrong. Let me tell you today, don't discount your wounds because if we discount our wounds, what we'll find is that we can never be made whole by the creator of the universe. Don't look at your life and say what happened to me wasn't that bad. What if that thing that happened to you keeps you from ever becoming whole as God intended you to be? Because like young Danny, when we peer out of the windows of our heart, we too peer through broken glass. And the problem is that shards of glass create prisms of light and it obstructs our view from the rest of the world. Everything that we see, we see with that tainted, tainted view of the wound that has been done to us. We look at every relationship and we view it through that lens of brokenness. We look at every situation and we view it through that lens of our brokenness. I will tell you, 
you will not be the first person that has been hurt and you will not be the last because when we look out over this world and we look out through back back through the halls of history and we go all the way back to creation, we find the fall that would lead to all that we see today. It's a degradation of a society. It's degradation of the world. And I will tell you that our problems won't soon go away. Statistics tell us that one in four Young ladies, 25% of young women experience some type of sexual trauma. The same study tells us that one in five young men experience some type of sexual trauma. 20 and 25% respectively experience something that will change the rest of their life and often not for the good. We peer through the shattered glass that is our wounded heart. And our view becomes obstructed. The story that I read to you this morning in the Bible, the My Michael, the wife of David, she was a woman that had been wounded. We look that as she looked out beyond her small window, she saw a king that was acting a way that was unbecoming. But there was a long history that led her to that point. There was a reason that as she peered through that small slit that was that window as she looked out that there was more than just a physical obstruction of her view but there were wounds in her heart that would change the way she looked at everything. As we go back and we look at Michael's history we find that she loved King David and David wanted to be married to her so Saul says if you'll go and kill a hundred Philistines I will give you my daughter to marry you. He goes out and he does what only David can do and he brings back 200, pr proof of 200 murders. He marries young Michael. The Bible records that it's around this point that Saul would begin to try and, and kill David out of jealousy and rage and he tries to kill the person that his daughter loves. Imagine the wound that would be caused by the, your father, the one that you put so much trust into, trying to kill the love of your life. The Bible records that as the guards of Saul came in to take David one night, that she would allow him or help him to slip through a window and she would put a, a, a small statue in the bed to, to, to fake like David was sick so that the guards would leave him alone. David would go out and he would begin to flee from Saul. As he's fleeing away, think about the love of your life is gone. He doesn't write for her. He doesn't send word for her. He doesn't try to get back to her. So now, your husband that you love has ran from your father that you love because your father's trying to kill him. Wounds begin to take place on our heart like a, like a murderer with a knife coming in and stabbing and cutting so deep that she wonders if she'll ever receive healing. Saul uses his daughter as a pawn and she's married off to another man to form an alliance with another kingdom. And the Bible records that not much is said about her until David finally comes calling. But David, I've moved on. David, I, I got another life now. David, I, I, I loved you and I had to let you go, but now, now you're calling for me again? David calls for his wife while his wife comes back to him. All of the pain, all of the heartache, all of the things that had happened to her at that point, her father's dead, her brothers are dead, the kingdom that she once enjoyed being a part of that ruling family, now it's passed away. And now her husband had, had put her away, if you will, but now called for her again. All the confusion, all the hurt, all the pain, all the anguish, all the things that had taken place in her life. And now she looks out had her husband who's bringing the glory of God back in. And let me tell you, the first thing that I thought about is that sometimes hurt will tell us that right things are wrong things. 
Because when you look through your window and you see a king dancing and acting a fool, what you'll find is you'll say, that worship is so unbecoming of someone that's a child of God. Let me tell you, when we look out with wounds, our, our, our view becomes obstructed and we will call evil good and good evil. We've got to be people that become whole so that we can have a correct view. This worship that took place today, it was not emotion, it was not a show, it was people that had been delivered out of the clutches of the enemy and now find themselves standing on a solid rock. But she looked out. Dad tries to kill her husband. Husband leaves. Dad continues to pursue given marriage to another king, not the one she loved. Fathers and brothers are killed. Husband finally returns, rooting her up from the light. She looks out. The Bible says she despised what was, here's, this is the Evan Grizzle interpretation. She despised a good thing in her heart. The thing about wounds is that wounds can lead to bitterness. Bitterness is something that when it takes up root in your heart, it will manifest itself in murder. And it will seek to demolish everything you try to build. Bitterness in your heart will keep you from the great things that God has planned for you. Hurt leads to bitterness and as I looked and I saw this scripture, we've all found ourselves in a place where bitterness starts to spring up in our heart. That's why the writer of the New Testament, he would say to pluck up bitterness at the root because bitterness has no place in the life of a believer. Because if we're bitter, we can't become better. And that's all God wants for us. That's why he sent me here this morning not to stand up before you and just say beautiful words, but to tell you the life that you're living now, that is not all I have for you. We've got to reach into the deep, dark recesses of our heart and we got to pluck up the bitterness that lies within so that we can become better. Better is the will of God. She looked out with her bitterness. David would come and they would have this discourse. She gets rebuked by David. And here's what takes place. Your bitterness will lead to your barrenness. The Bible said from that point on, she had no children. It all started with bitterness. There are some things that God wants to birth in your life beginning today and continuing out through the rest of your days. But let me tell you, if we're bitter, it will lead to our barrenness and we cannot produce the promises of God if we are bitter in our heart toward the wounds that have been created. I thought about, I wish I could preach that a little harder. I feel like the bishop could do that. I might need to hand the mic over to him right now. I love your bishop. I began to think about how that there's so many things in our lives. I have a conversational style of preaching. I might make you laugh. Don't feel uncomfortable. That's just me being funny or trying. Sometimes I fall flat. Sometimes the kids think I'm cool, but sometimes grandmas think I'm cute. And then there's this perfect moment where both happens. Yes. Because I thought about bitterness. You see, the promises of God are this beautiful thing that God gives us when we enter into his kingdom. It's almost as if they're waiting in the ether until you're born again. And then we see them starting to take place in our lives. You see addiction fade away. You see familial curses begin to break. 
you see amazing things. And let me tell you, I'm looking out at a lot of first-generation apostolic people that know that not too long ago, people in my family, were they were bound by drugs and alcoholism. Let me tell you, I pastor a church where moms and dads were prostitutes and gangbangers and thugs, but children are now coming in and saying, you know what, I don't have to live that way. I don't have to die that way. My life spans longer than a gangbanger. I can live for God and I can see the promises of God. It's a reason to get excited. It's a reason to proclaim from the mountaintops that our God is a God of better. I talked to a young girl. I talked to a young girl. I was, uh, I was in no limits. My student pastor called me. He said, hey, man, we got a problem. I said, what's going on? This young girl in our church, she's living in a very bad situation. She's been coming to church faithful. Coming to church faithful. I told her what a testimony it is that there are adults that are dealing with lesser things than you are, but you're still coming and they stay at home to watch online. You've become comfortable in your religion and you lost your relationship. And I got a call. He said her mom took a knife and held it to her neck because she thought she was talking back to her. Said, I will cut your throat. I thought about this young girl. She kept coming to church. She kept being faithful. She kept coming to church. She kept being faithful. And then all of a sudden at a youth convention that we had at our church just recently, she was in the altar praying. And she's been coming to church for a long time. And all of a sudden, I see her start dancing. And I see her start cutting the jig. And all of a sudden, she just lifts her hands. And I can tell she's speaking in tongues. God had filled her with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And not two weeks earlier, her mom, who she loved, held a knife to her throat. Let me tell you what that young girl, B.B. didn't say, you know what, I can't make it. You know what, my problems are too big. She said, I'm not going to let my bitterness stop me from getting better. There is better there for me. I don't care what you're facing. I don't care what you've been through. Don't let it stop you from the better God has for you. We forget about the ministry of Jesus. He didn't come to hang out with all the cool kids. He didn't come to hang out with all the awesome people. He didn't come to hang out with the religious establishment. He came for the broken. He came for the hurting. He said himself, I have come to bind up the brokenhearted. He wants to take your wound and he wants to heal you. thought about the story of this young girl, Danny, how the picture, I wish I, I would have I thought and gave you all this picture. The story ends with this young girl being adopted by people. And her adoptive dad holds her up looking out a window that is beautiful and pristine. It's so clean. There is no crack. There is no brokenness in the window anymore. And she stares out at the sunset. At all the unobstructive beauty that wholeness brings. The Bible says, ye are complete in him. Who is the head of all principalities and all power? I thought about, I'm almost done. It was quick, wasn't it? Y'all wore me out with all your worship. I'm going to take a nap before I preach tonight. I'm about to lose some weight. I'm going to take a nap. Praise God. Got a feeling you can't do those things at the same time because if you could, I'd be doing nothing but napping. So this is where people get uncomfortable because the preacher starts sharing. For some reason, Bishop, they think we're not supposed to be human. 
They think we were like John the Baptist, born with the Holy Ghost and everything's been great. Now I will tell you, I've been accused of growing up with a silver spoon in my mouth. Dad had no education, mom had no education, dad was a coal miner, mom was a stay-at-home mom. My parents did want better for me and they raised me in the truth. But growing up on a pew does not remove you from world's problems. My story is not so different. And I felt pretty uncomfortable about sharing it at first. And I said, you know what? It's a testimony. And so, my wife and I began to, we, we became pregnant with our first child. Well, first, the first one was a, a miscarriage, but this was the first viable child we were going to have. And I remember that as we got closer to that due date and closer to the baby coming, that I would begin to have flashbacks of things that I thought were a dream because I never remembered it happening to me. My wife's a counselor. She does an incredible job. I'm her arm candy. My job is to show up and look cute. And so she began to help me process through these things and what I found out was there was some stuff that happened to me. I was about nine or ten. That my mind, to protect myself, buried, oh, so deep, that it would take a moment of being triggered for it to come back. Now, I moved to Wilmington, North Carolina in 2014, <laughs> knowing good and well I was going to take over that church. That was the plan. Hey, man, you're going to come here and you're going to transition. Okay. We're about four years into this transition. Everything's going great. And then all of a sudden, I'm dealt a hand. I had no idea what's coming. I remember thinking back to what had happened to me. And I remember looking at my wife and wondering, am I broken? Is there something wrong with me? Why? Why am I feeling this way? I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a grown man. And I'm not a tiny little man either. Like, I'm a big dude. You know? I'm a grown man. I got a house. I got a wife. I got a good job. I got a ministry. Why do I feel like less than? And as I started to talk all of the things that happened to me. Now listen, the things that happened to me, they happened to me at the hand of somebody that was in my family. They took my trust. And they broke it. They took my innocency. And they broke it. And I look at everything after that moment, my, 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 my teenage years of being promiscuous and being stupid and, 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 and being 20 years old and almost leaving the church and never, not having a ministry at all, sitting on a pew on my way to hell. And everything started to make so much sense. And I went to this lady, I was working at the hospital at the time, and I went to this lady who was a counselor, and I said, hey, I got a friend. Because, <laughs> you know, it's always the friend, it's not you. I got a friend, and this is what's happening. And I think what gave it away was the wife is pregnant and X amount of time along, and I'm pretty sure she thought it was a real coincidence that me and my friend both had wives that were pregnant at the same time and do at the same date. She didn't judge me. She just looked at me and said, you know, your friend really sounds like he's dealing with X, Y, and Z. I look back and I started to go through my life and I looked at my wife and I said, I don't know if I can do this because you come to church and everything's fine. 
leading worship, singing, praising the Lord, preaching. I almost began to feel like I was living a fake life. And I remember one day I was at home. I wasn't at church. There was no shouting going on. I told my wife, I think I got to go to the bedroom and pray. And I went in there and I got on my knees. I leaned on my bed. I'm sorry if I get emotional. And I would just remember saying, God, I am so broken. I'm so broken. Why? Why do I have to feel this way? And I started to think about how Jesus hung on a cross and he yelled out, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? And I remembered God brought the Holy Ghost brought back to my remembrance. I felt the same way you're feeling right now. And I started to cry and I was saying, God, I'm so broken. I'm so broken. It's the only words I could get out. I'm so broken. And then all of a sudden, there was no music. There was no choir. There was no singing. But the sweet presence of God. It fell into my room. And I just began to weep. And I just began to cry. No longer was I forsaken. No longer was I broken. No longer did I feel like I was an imposter. No longer did I feel like I couldn't make it. No longer did I feel like I couldn't go on. No longer did I feel like God was putting me in a position where I couldn't succeed. No longer. I felt what it means to be complete. Is he still working on me? Oh, yeah. And he will until I get to heaven. But I don't have to go through life being bitter because other people didn't experience what I've experienced. I don't look out the window of my heart and despise the dance of people that never knew hard times like me. I don't look out at people and, and, and because of my bitterness think, oh, that's just, what a faker. God, reach. Now, here's the thing. I believe when it says reach out and pluck up the root of bitterness, I think we got to do our part. But I also think it's a working of the Holy Ghost. I'm not barren because of my bitterness I look out at our church and the bishop he was bragging on me a little bit which I, I kind of like it but our church has really got it going on we're like the rock church light I see people every nationality every skin color, every socioeconomic status. I see him coming out of Turnkey. I see him coming out of Edgewood. I see him coming out, when I say Turnkey and Edgewood, if you're in Wilmington, you know what I'm talking about. One's a Bloods, one's a Crips. I see them coming out from everywhere, coming to our church, being baptized, being filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Is it because of me? No. It's because of God. But if, if I... Listen to me, if I would have stayed bitter, our church would be barren. How can I be the pastor and be bitter, but our church still flourish? It does not happen. Because of the presence of God. 
This is what I would ask that we do wherever you're sitting or standing. I would ask that we just bow our heads and begin to pray just for a moment. This altar call may be a little different, but I think it will be okay. The bishop told me to take my liberty, and I, I, I firmly believe that he meant that. What I would ask that we do, if we, let's stand to our feet together. You know, sometimes silence scares me. Makes me feel awkward. Then I figured out silence is usually when God does most of the working. Broken is a label that more times than not we give ourselves. I know it can come from others and they might be very ugly and say you're broken that's not godly we may look at ourselves and we'll say I am broken and you've tried everything to be made whole you try drugs, you try alcohol you try gangbanging, you try prostitution you try stripping, you try everything relationships, promiscuity, I'm telling you, I've seen it all. And I'll be very honest with you, I was right there with many of you. My heart searched for wholeness and I could never find it. I tried with girls, I tried with money, I, didn't ha I, I could never find it. But then wholeness found me. His name is Jesus. Okay. Cool. So this is what I would ask that we do. We could begin to play. This is what I'd ask that we do. I've, I've, I feel this in the Holy Ghost, that if we can tap into what God's wanting to do right now, that you can leave different than the way you came in. That if you can find yourself, let's, if we could, why don't we step out and come to an altar really quickly? If you feel comfortable, thank you for coming. If your church family, and maybe you don't, maybe maybe you feel all is good. It, that that's fine. That's completely fine. But there's plenty of people down here that maybe you coming will make them feel comfortable in coming. Wholeness is never far away. It's always as close as Jesus is. And sometimes we feel that Jesus is a long way off. But I'm reminded of a prophet that was running for his life. He found himself in a cave. And all of a sudden a whirlwind came. And when the whirlwind breezed by, he said, surely this is going to be the Lord. But God wasn't in it. Our earthquakes shook the rocks and he said, surely this is the Lord, but the Lord wasn't in it. A great fire came and it, it ate up the forest. He said, surely God is in this, but God wasn't there. But then he heard a still small voice. Sometimes we think God is so far from us, but he's close enough to you to whisper in your ear. So here's what I would like for us to do. I'm going to pray a prayer of faith over you. And we're going to begin laying hands on people. I need help from all the ministry. I need help. But what we're going to do is we're going to pray that God's going to make you whole. 
Now, when it comes to, to the Holy Ghost moving on you, I'm a guy that, there are a lot of people who come to my church that have never been to a church. I don't know what it's like down here, but, dude, I got people coming in that's never been to a church. They have no context. So, you're going to feel something start to move on you, and it's going to begin to feel kind of odd. It's like, it, it feels like a tingle, you know, it's kind of weird. That's the Holy Ghost. And you're going to feel it moving all over you. And then there's going to be some tears that are going to start coming out of your eyes because the Holy Ghost is beginning to move on your heart and on your mind. And then you're going to, if you don't have the Holy Ghost, you may come to a place where the Holy Ghost has filled you so much that all of a sudden you're going to begin to speak in tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. Don't fight any of this. The thing about being made whole is we have to tear down every wall that our hurt built. Okay? We have to tear down every wall that keeps God out that our hurt built. So we're going to pray two prayers. The first prayer is we're going to pray God will help us to dismantle the protections we built. Can we lift up our hands praying together right now? God, I pray over every man, woman, child, young adult, everything in between in this place that has dealt with hurt, that has dealt with pain, that has dealt with agony. God, I pray right now that your spirit will come. It will help us to dismantle every protective measure that we've set up in our heart. God, anything that will keep out the spirit of God, I pray right now, Lord Jesus, that you'll help us to remove those things so that your spirit can move upon us. Come on, that's it. I'm going to do one more thing. Come on, that's it, that's it, that's it, that's it. Just for another minute. You keep on talking to God. God's going to come in. He's going to help you tear down every wall. Just like Joshua. The walls are going to fall. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, this is what I feel us we should do. Now, you notice when we begin to praise and worship the Lord that you started feeling the tingles, you know? That's the Holy Ghost. I've never had it happen. It got my legs almost like I had to sit down for a minute. I was like, there's something different at the Rock Church, Fort Myers. Go ahead. I hit a little different. But what we do, it talks about lift up your gates. Oh, Jerusalem, and the king of glory will enter in. The Bible talks about God being a, a God that inhabits the praises of his people. So here's what I'm going to ask us to do. I want to pray over you. And the second I say amen, I'm going to say in Jesus' name, amen. I know this is kind of weird, but I'm just doing it because I feel to do it. I'm going to say in Jesus' name, amen. And as soon as I say amen, I want you to lift up a great praise to God. And I feel that wholeness is going to sweep through this house as the presence of God begins to move on you. So I want you to lift your hands as I pray, but then I want you to shout when I get done. Lord, I stand on the power and the authority of your word. What you have done for me, you will do for others. God, I pray under the unction of the Holy Ghost right now. I rebuke any demonic spirit that is tied to the wound of a heart and the wound of a mind right now. God, and I pray that your spirit will come in sweeping through this house like a mighty rushing wind. Let it heal all those that are wounded. Let it set loose those that are captive. Let it bind up those that are brokenhearted. God, let your spirit reign and let the power of the Holy Ghost begin to heal these wounds. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and lift up a shout and let the come on that's it just that's it that's it that's it that's it that's it 
going. Keep going. The Holy Ghost is here. The Holy Ghost is here. Come on, that's it. God's moving. God's moving. God's moving. God's moving. God's moving. That's it, that's it. I don't care what your dad did. I don't care what your mom did. God wants to make you whole. Let me tell you, it's a trick of the devil to feel unworthy. There is therefore no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Don't you feel like you're not worthy of it? Don't you feel like it was your fault? And if it was your fault, you are still worthy of being made whole. Come on, that's it. That's it, that's it, that's it. That's it, that's it, that's it. Come on, that's it. If you're a minister, if you got the Holy Ghost, help me out praying with people right now. Come on, that's it. Link up with somebody you're comfortable with. Link up with somebody you're comfortable with and begin to pray for one another, remembering the prayers of a righteous man availeth much. He wants to make you whole. He wants to make you whole. He wants to make you whole. Come on, that's it. That's it. Pray for one another in the Holy Ghost right now.
In the book of John, chapter number five, there was a story about how that at a certain season, there would be angels that would come down from heaven and they would trouble the water. And the first that could make it into the water would be made whole. And there was a man there laying on his bed and Jesus walked up to him and he asked him this question, it says it in the book of John, wilt thou be made whole? The man's response was interesting because when Jesus asked him, he didn't say, sure. He said, when the water's troubled, I have no one to help me and I can't make it. And before I get there, somebody else has already got my miracle. You see, Jesus asked if he wanted to be healed. And the man responded with excuses. There are times where we'll have a presence, we'll feel the presence of God moving like this. And we respond with excuses. Well, I'm just too deep. I'm just too hurt. I'm just too broken. Well, I know he did that for sister so-and-so, but I just don't know if he can do that for me. I ask you this question today. Will you be made whole? I love what it said. I'm not a doctor of, of, of theology by any sense, but I love what it said. Jesus, the spirit that he gives us, out of our bellies shall flow rivers of living water. It's like he was saying, the water that was troubled at Bethesda one day I can put that in you. And when the waters of your heart are troubled, the Spirit of God can make you whole. So I, this is my last push, and I'm done because I'm tired. But if you want to be made whole, I want you to lift your hands one more time. I want you just to tell the Lord, I will. I will. I'll be made whole. 